You're listening to the Podcast Detroit Network. Visit www.podcastdetroit.com for more information. There's no reason to become alarmed, and we hope you enjoy the rest of your flight. By the way, is there anyone on board who knows how to fly a plane? Welcome to Avoiding Real Estate Turbulence Podcast. This is your pilot, John Lafferty, with Century 21 Town and Country. And your co-pilot, Tony Abate, with Ross Mortgage. And we are your real estate pilots. Our job is to be your real estate advocate and also make sure you're educated about the buying and selling process. We'll keep you informed throughout until we get you safely closed. In a real estate transaction, there are many reasons why you can encounter turbulence. Today, I thought we'd talk about a couple things, a couple topical issues, Tony, Mm -hmm. that uh, have kind of been in the news recently and uh, just – Kind of get the perspective from your side mm-hmm. on, on maybe some things that might develop or happen down the road sure. with some of these things. Mm-hmm. Um, so our first issue that I thought we'd tackle is uh, House Bill 4219, which I think is in committee right now. And it's basically to outlaw counties from profiteering on tax sales. Yeah. So mm-hmm. – you know, you you lose your house. You have an unpaid tax bill. Uh, sometimes it's a large amount. Sometimes it's eight dollars and forty cents. <laughs> yeah. So the county forecloses. They sell the house at auction, and they get their eight dollars plus costs, and then they have a windfall of thousands, hundreds of thousands of dollars that they legally get to keep. Right. Right. Which is unbelievable. Banks can't even do that in a foreclosure. No, no. You're exactly right. I'm not quite sure how we got there, uh, but it's – um, it, it's it's an interesting thing. And so, you know, to summarize, John, correct me if I'm wrong. So uh, I have a home or a piece of property and I owe $2,000 in taxes and I just can't pay it. It's done. I don't have any other liens, but I do owe the tax man this $2,000. And so the county, uh, per legal right and per process, they can foreclose on my home because I have not paid them the $2,000, correct? Correct. Okay. So now uh, they don't have their $2,000 from me but they do have my home. So what happens next? So what happens next is first the sheriff show up, they throw you out. Mm-hmm. Then your house goes up for auction on the county steps. And they have certain dates. Different counties have different dates. Mm-hmm. Um, sometimes it's every week. just depends. So they have it set up where people can actually bid on the property. The highest bid generally wins mm-hmm. and the county gets paid. Now, there are costs associated with auctions. There are people sure. need to get paid. There, there's processing. There's all that stuff that has to get covered. So the the county should be made whole of their expense to for the sheriffs uh, uh, to come and and clear the house mm-hmm. and to do all that stuff. There's costs involved with that. Understandable. Yeah. Should be reimbursed for that. Should be made whole for that. But like with a foreclosure, uh, unlike a foreclosure, where a foreclosure. Uh, it's a sheriff's sale. They have a sale at an auction. Mm-hmm. And if there's any proceeds left over after the bank has been made whole and covered all their expenses, that extra equity that's left goes back to the owner, the previous homeowner. Okay. Mm-hmm. So they actually get money uh, at, a, at, a, at an auction if there's anything left over in profit. Mm-hmm. Whereas in a county, they actually get to keep that profit and add it to their coffers to spend to do other things. So going back to my scenario, so I owe $2,000. They've taken my home. 
maybe it's worth in an open market $100,000. Uh, it goes to auction and maybe an investor buys it for $60,000. And so it's a good buy for him because he can do whatever and then turn around and sell it for one hundred. But the county got that $60,000, didn't they, even though they were owed $2,000? They did. Yeah. They that, that's, all of it. that's the rub, isn't it? Yeah. yeah. So there's legislation afoot, and then what what'll happen with that? So the legislation afoot, what it'll do in a current in its current form as it sits now, it'll stop the counties from profiting. So, hey, county, you you foreclose on the house, uh, you're going to sell it at a tax auction, uh, whatever you sell it for, you get the money that makes you whole with the back taxes, mm-hmm. whatever your expenses were for the sheriff to come in, clear the house to cover those costs and any other paperwork and processing fees that you have to cover that. And whatever's left goes back to the homeowner, sure. the previous homeowner. Yeah, I think that's fair. You know, I don't think the treasurer's office was fair. ever designed to be a profit center. Really, now, right? now, of course, there are some out there that would say, well, um, hey, if you don't pay your taxes – Consequences, man. That's it's the way it is. Yeah. Consequences. You 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 lose it. You you don't get to keep anything. Mm. Which, but the cynic in me says, how is that money then allocated within the county? We don't really know. Uh, general the the magical general not. fund. Of course, you know. Not. So yeah. you know, th- there's always dialogue around election time about budgets and so on and so forth. And and I've always been an advocate of before there's talk of either cutting a tax or cutting an expense, somebody really needs to get out the magnifying glass and look at what's happening in the budget right now. And this is a great example. You know, these windfall monies coming in, and there's no real uh, uh, accountability as far as genuinely to that profit. You know, there, there's nothing that says, okay, we sold this property, we had a net profit of X, here's where that money goes. It's not happening, is it? No, it's not. And so, you know, accountability and transparency mm-hmm. seem to be two words that uh, that don't enter into the thought of people that run county government, people that run city government. Mm-hmm. Um, how money is allocated is it, it's sometimes so it's behind closed doors. It's a mystery. Yeah. Um, and look, there's there's several lawsuits right now. There are people suing mm-hmm. Wayne County, Oakland County, and several other counties for foreclosing on their house, having thousands of dollars in extra equity, and the county kept it. Yeah, yeah. and so those people. Though, who who knows if they come out whole on this, but that's been a big complaint in Wayne County for years, right, is that people in Detroit were losing their homes. Yeah. They owe back taxes of maybe $5,500 or whatever, and the house sold for seventy grand at auction, yeah. and the homeowner got nothing yeah. Yeah. of that yeah. equity yeah. That, that they'd paid for years. Well, and, and unfortunately, uh, this this probably tends to, to impact either lower income folks or folks that maybe don't have good knowledge of the process because the first uh, knee-jerk reaction somebody might say is, well, why didn't they just sell the house in the first place and then pay their tax bill? Well, you know, this might be a home that's been in the family for generations. Uh, they don't know who to contact. They just don't know how it all works. All they know is that a notice was just taped to their door. And, uh, and, and I think the other thing that happens with this, John, and we've seen this with certain brokerages is because all this extra f- padding in the, in the profit from the sale, there's entities that are going to quote, help the county expedite these transactions. And what's going to happen? Their fees will be inflated. 
And so suddenly there are entities out there that you – know, let's face it. They're, they're, they're profiting on the backs of taxpayers uh, only because of that, that mechanism that's in place that really – it's uncapped, isn't it, as far as what the county could sell a property for? I mean it's whatever the market will bear. Absolutely. Yeah. It's not like uh, when you have a foreclosure sale, foreclosure mm-hmm. auction, you know, I can't speak to what it is right this minute, but back in the day when there were hundreds, thousands of properties mm-hmm. back in 08, 9, 10, 11, when there were, you know, a big number of foreclosed properties. Mm-hmm. There were some properties that banks were going to take whatever they could get. It was what it was. It was a loss. But there were other properties where there was a minimum threshold that had to be met Mm -hmm. and saw this not a lot at county tax sales or or at uh, auctions on the county steps, county Mm -hmm. building steps. But I did see this when you had particular auction houses who would actually auction off 60, 70 properties. Um, There are certain auction houses that come to mind. And I would say darn near every one of them had a minimum threshold and it was right there disclosed that if the minimum threshold isn't met – and of course, they don't tell you what the minimum threshold is. (laughs) But if it isn't met, then whoever the winning bid is, Mm -hmm. they think they've won – they're happy. They got a house that they and they got it at a good price. And then the bank, you know, steps up after and says, "Yeah, no, I wasn't sorry. But we're yeah. taking that back. <laughs> yeah. We're gonna we're gonna sit out in a while yeah. longer." Yeah. So there was there was some of that going on, but with the county, and 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 this leads to you know sort of the backroom deals, right? Mm-hmm. And I used to I had a friend who would go to these auctions and said that. He, you, you go to these enough of these, and you run into the same people sure. over and over again. Sure. And so they would kind of have a gentleman's agreement. Uh, which ones you bidding on today? Well, I'm going to bid on these, this, this, and this. Okay, mm-hmm. well, I'm bidding on this one and this one as well. So I'll tell you what, I'll make you a deal. Uh, don't don't bid on me, so we don't bid up the price on yeah. on these couple, and uh, and and I won't do on these couple. Does that does that work for you? Yeah, it works for me. So wow. you have you know a gentleman's agreement among some of these bidders not to bid up the properties, so it's less money that goes to whoever the foreclosed property is yeah. par- party is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Not not fair market forces at work. Yeah, John, I, I think that the the real issue I have on the tax foreclosure bill that that's uh, that that's that hopefully will pass is that uh, again you know. It, 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 County treasurer's offices are meant to work within a balanced budget environment. Uh, the idea that they can uh, uh, work in a capitalistic way where, hey, we have an opportunity to profit, so we're going to profit. That's not really how the department is designed to to operate, you know. I mean, so so I, I really think that there's a there's a there's a foundation problem with the way that they're doing it right now. So I, I hope there's some traction behind this. Agreed, and and I believe there is because there's only been a few county executives that have weighed in on this and said, well, wait a second, you can't take that away from us. We need that. That's Whoa. part of our budget. We've got to have that. <laughs> there's a few county executives that have come out and said that. Now, wow. crickets from Oakland, Macomb, Wayne. Okay. Nothing. Nothing regarding this. It's just Yeah. Yeah. I don't know how a, a politician can say that and still save face 
in front of their constituents and and not look like you know I am I am uh, advocating a mechanism that's going to profit on the backs of people that are going through a tough time and 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 not be transparent with how it's how it's going it's not the appropriate way to 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 handle that so uh but it it's it's really something about how long it's been going on unchecked really and uh, be an interesting audit to find well how how much net did the treasurer's offices earn uh, without any disclosure, without any um, uh, outside audit to say, well, wait a minute, you foreclosed on 50 properties and your net profit, unexpected, let's face it, when they set their budget at the beginning of the year, there's not an income line item that says profit from the sale of foreclosed properties. Their income is their tax revenue. Right. It's it, it, Unbelievable. It's like a reverse hole in the bucket, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. And what happened to that money? Yeah. Where did it go? What was it yeah. used for? Yeah. If it's not accounted for, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. What was it used for? Absolutely. Absolutely. Dark hole. It'll be interesting to watch see how that one plays it, it, out. It will. Yeah. It will. Mm-hmm. Uh, so our, uh, our our second topic that uh, that I thought we'd we'd discuss, uh, and it seems to be at the forefront now, uh, is short term rentals. Mm-hmm. There's a there's a house bill sitting in committee has been there. Probably seven, eight months. Um, don't know what's going to happen with it. Don't mm-hmm. know if it's going to make it out of committee. But basically, it, it, it would allow people the right on property that they own to have short-term rentals no matter if an HOA or uh, language in a deed specifically doesn't allow it. Okay. It would give the property owner mm-hmm. the right, since they own the property, to do with it uh, as they will turn it into a short term rental without class classifying it as a commercial property Got it. right Got it so yeah. um so that's the gist of it, mm-hmm. and it's just kind of sitting in committee right now so i'm I'm curious from a lender's perspective mm-hmm. what could be some issues with a primary residence that's being rented out maybe in the summer, three months, sure. Um, between so a beach house, for instance, right, uh, right. some some place on on the water, and they rent the house out July, August, September, mm-hmm. um, consistently, and they just go live somewhere else. Right, right, right. Are there any implications on the lender side for somebody that's got a ten percent down mortgage mm-hmm. or something like that? Yeah, yeah. You know, I'm going to go down two paths with this, John. You know, when somebody purchases a home and their intent is to treat it like a primary residence, uh, that intent is, is, is pretty clearly understood. You're going to live here. You know, this is your home base. Uh, the utility bills are in your name. Uh, you know, you come to this address after work every day. This is where you are living. Um, and now I will tell you that if somebody's plans change, if two years down the road you say, you know what, I'm going to buy another home, but I'm not going to sell this, you know, my, my prior primary residence. I'm going to use it as a rental. That's really okay. Uh, it's okay if your if your plans change. Uh, it's not okay if you say you're going to use it as a primary residence with the intent of not doing so. So it kind of comes down to uh, to your question, John, of of what was the intent at the time of purchase. If somebody buys that home and and you know two months out of the gate, you know they start having rental income from it. Lenders probably going to have a problem with that. You know, that's going to view as a breach. You know, we gave a rate that was based on primary residence. We permitted a down payment that was based on primary residence. And it's clear because it happened so quickly that that wasn't the intent. Um, now, 
let's take another scenario. So somebody's owned that home on Lake Michigan for 20 years, and 20 years ago, B and B wasn't a thing. I think that was just that was a liqueur. <laughs> it wasn't a yeah. it wasn't a it wasn't a, a rental tactic. And so now this individual sees this being done and says you know what? I don't want to be here when the tourists are here. I'm going to rent this house out. That individual would not have a problem with their current mortgage lender if they choose to now say, I'm going to rent this out for three months out of the year. Um, I, I think it makes for interesting potential impacts on value if this kind of thing starts to happen in neighborhoods where it had not historically happened before. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But it's, a, it's an interesting tug of war, isn't it? You know, property rights are property rights. This is my thing. I get to do what I want. Sort of. Sort of. <laughs> so, uh, and I see both sides. Mm-hmm. I, I, yeah. I can see both sides. You have a you have a beach house that you purchased or mm-hmm. a cottage, whatever you want to call it, on uh, Torch Lake. Mm-hmm. And uh, you've been going up there every summer. And then you spend every weekend up there, sometimes three days a week. And the house next door to you sells to an investor. Mm-hmm. And every weekend you have crazy pe- – now, there are crazy people to go to Fire Lake or to Torch Lake anyways. <laughs> uh, okay, right? I get that. But just let's just take the scenario that mm-hmm. your neighbors on either side of you were good neighbors for the longest time. And, uh, and yeah, you guys did some stuff. But all of a sudden you've got uh, – Younger people coming up there, and they're up there to just have a great time, yeah. uh, get crazy in the water, party, loud music at night. And you're up there, yeah, you want to have a good time too, but you also want some peace and quiet. And that's mm-hmm. part of the reason you bought it in the first place. And now every weekend throughout the summer, it's different people trotting in right. and trotting out. Right. Um, I mean, I can see that other person's a side that mm-hmm. this is infringing on my property and my right to enjoyment yeah. of, of, of living here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, and, and I, I guess I have a question for you, John. So is the House bill designed to permit a homeowner to do that regardless of homeowner association restrictions or deed restrictions? Or, or do we know how it's – do we know what the intent of the bill is? Right. So good question. And, and, I'll, and I'll tell you why I ask. I'm sorry. Um, so if 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 this is a subdivision where suddenly this is happening, where it had not happened before, I can absolutely see the homeowners getting together and saying, you know what, we never had an association, but we need one now because this is getting out of hand and it's going to have a negative impact on on many of us. So as it stands right now, uh, we talked about that bill that's kind of sitting in committee right mm-hmm. now. As of right now, there's a couple cases that were decided very recently actually, where a homeowners association did sue somebody to stop them, to prevent them from short-term rentals, leasing their house out to these people for the exact reason Mm -hmm. the neighbors were complaining. And and so the association sued to prevent this and won. Yeah. So currently, um, that's precedent. Yeah. So if an association doesn't want that, they can sue to stop it and prevent it. Yeah. Um, now, as we talked about, you know, you can see both sides of this. You can see the owner's right. Hey, I just want to be able to make some income on it. I'm, right. I can't get up there every weekend. Um, but I also see the other people's mm-hmm. rights. So this is really causing a problem in here. Yeah. If, if everybody decided to do this, our, could you see our property values in here going down because people don't want to come up here anymore? Absolutely. It's just, it's yeah. just a bunch of young kids who want to come up here and get mm-hmm. crazy on the lake. And the people who've lived there for a long time – 
aren't enjoying it any so much anymore. Right. Now, let's face it. A group of folks, <laughs> young or old, if they're going to be there for the, a week, they're not going to have the same care and concern of maybe even somebody who's going to rent it for three months in the summer or certainly not like a property owner. That's just not how it works. Sure. Um, and so – but I, I would tell you that I – you know, my personal opinion is that um, I, I think that the right to create a homeowners association within a subdivision that prohibits that is is absolutely appropriate. And then if the next person who now wants to buy wants to do that and is clearly in breach of the association bylaws, too bad for that homeowner. I think that's where you know that homeowner, they knew going in, they had the opportunity to read those bylaws, they agreed to, to abide by the bylaws, and now they want to do something different. I, I think it was appropriate that homeowners association won the suit. Yeah, I don't disagree with you. Mm-hmm. And, um, and, and I will tell you, you know, looking at it, also from maybe uh, you know ten thousand feet, if something like this is if it's permitted on a bigger scale, can't you see uh, a point where investors start jumping in oh, yeah. because they can have these short term rentals and mm-hmm. make more money? So there's it makes more sense for them to possibly look at beach communities mm-hmm. and waterfront properties and um, um, you know desirable areas downtown areas to buy right. these properties and to drive up prices mm-hmm. in these particular areas because they have they have the benefit of you know they have deep pockets mm-hmm. so they can mm-hmm. pay whatever they need to because it makes sense for them so you can further see that it, there's a possibility that if this is really allowed to proliferate you could end up with artificially high prices for it, who knows how long? Yeah, yeah, I agree with you, and it's and it's a twist to the zoning too, isn't it? I mean, that was never uh, if this was let's in the example you're citing, if these were homes that were zoned residential, you know, that kind of activity was never the intent of of what that zoning. You know, I read anecdotally a, a couple other interesting things, especially in communities where you know they were kind of the sleepy. Uh, vacation area, and now suddenly uh, it, it's it's coming to its own. It's very very popular, and so now you have a home that's a residential home, but it sleeps eighteen or it sleeps twenty, and and interestingly, the entity that has been griping about that kind of thing, and I think appropriately so, is hotel owners. Oh yeah, you know they're yeah. saying, hold the phone here. As a hotel owner, I have to have a certain amount of parking spaces. I have to, you know, ensure ingress, egress. I have to do this, 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 and this. Got to have fire exits. I've got to have smoke alarms. I've got to have all these other things. Yeah. Yeah. You can see how something like this. Now, I I still believe that people who own a home should have the – if they want to do that, Mm -hmm. they should have the right to do that because they own that home uh, within reason. Within reason. Uh, And so you can see if this continues – municipalities are going to jump in and say, okay, hey, wait a second. So yeah. we require certificates of occupancy for people who rent out their home long term. Yeah. Well, if you're going to start doing these short-term rentals under 28 days, we're going to start requiring you to have a certificate of occupancy as well. Your house yeah. is going to have to pass inspection. And maybe instead of every two years, because you have a long-term tenant in a long-term rental, mm-hmm. since you've got people coming in and out Every week or you know once a month, twice a month, different times, maybe instead of having a two or three year 
certificate that permit that it's good for, maybe we got to come out every year yeah, and, yeah. And, and inspect your house mm-hmm. and make sure everything's legitimate. I can totally see cities and townships and villages doing that yeah, yeah. to stay on top of it. I think that's fair. I, I think it's a, it's a fair conversation between the municipality and the property owners to say, you've turned a corner into having a home that you happen to rent out into this is really now a, a business entity and it needs to be treated as such. Zoning, code compliance, all the trappings, and uh, that, that's a fair conversation. It'll be interesting to see where this turns out. Yeah, yeah. it will. And uh, I, I don't know if you if you see lenders doing anything differently mm-hmm. if this becomes uh, – widespread more of these uh, short-term rentals. I yeah. don't know if you ever if you see uh, a lender possibly putting language into their loan docs mm-hmm. um, to address it at some point. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, uh, his lenders were all about stability, right? And so if somebody has a history of owning a property that they've rented out on short-term rentals uh, for a, a duration of time and that income is reported on their tax returns and, 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 and shows a certain pattern – we're really okay with that. I think uh, the watchful thing would, again, come back to that zoning. When you have a residential mortgage, uh, you, you can't you – can't, we, we won't allow a property that is zoned anything other than residential to secure that. And so if a community goes into – here's what I can see, John. So a community has had these properties that are zoned residential. Everything on the beachfront is now B&Bs. And so they say, you know what? We're going to change the zoning. You know, it just, nobody is living in these homes anymore. Well, now that person who bought that property using a residential mortgage, if they go to refinance or if they go to sell, they're probably not going to be able to get a residential mortgage anymore because it's no longer a residential property. Mm, interesting. Yeah. So I guess it's keep your ear to the ground as to what's going on in your community and, and what might happen. Um, yeah. One last thing that I had that I, that I thought about before we go is um, – if you're a municipality and you know that this property is a short-term rental because it's now have to be permitted mm-hmm. in order to be so, does the city, village, township assessor or county assessor now go to that homeowner and say, okay, so you've got it as your principal residence. Well, for this number of days that you had it rented out, it wasn't your primary residence. So we're yeah. going to claw back some taxes from you because at a higher rate mm-hmm. as well. So your tax bill is going to go up for as many days as you rent it out. Yeah. I, I, you know what, John? I think that's an excellent point. And, and I can see that happening. I can see that happening. Because let, let's look at it. Chances are that that person who is renting out that property for a period of time has some other home that they're claiming their principal residence exemption on. And, and so it's, it's, we only get one, right, right. As, as property owners, and, and I think that's an appropriate thing. I think also, too, valuation. You know, when you get into the old highest and best use of real estate, uh, if they start the ball rolling and they, and they value the home as residential, and then now it's got a five-year track record of short-term um, uh, a rental activity on it, I can see the assessor's office saying, you know what, we're going to apply a little bit different metric here. Because this isn't just a home that's appreciating uh, based on the same forces that other homes are. This is a home whose value is tied to the income that it's producing. Yep. Yeah. I, it, inter- lot interesting of, stuff. Lot of things. Yeah, yeah, a lot yeah, of moving parts. A lot of things parts. coming down the pike mm-hmm. with this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Call your lawyer, right? If you're going to get into that, you know, <laughs> yeah. get, get a good barrister to walk you through it for no sure. No kidding. Mm-hmm. No kidding. Yeah, yeah. 
Mm-hmm. All right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, hey, this is a cool topic, and uh, we'll, we'll keep everybody abreast as this goes forward. So, um, you know, good stuff. Thanks for bringing yeah. this in, John. So, hey, thanks for listening to Avoiding Real Estate Turbulence. If you'd be so kind to subscribe, review, and rate, we would appreciate it. Please share with your friends, family, and coworkers that they, too, can find us on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and Spotify.